This is the Lacrosse Classified Podcast on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and indoor lacrosse. Each week, we'll cover the hottest storylines and talk to the biggest names in the sport. Now, let's talk some lacrosse. All right, lacrosse fans, it's time for Lax Class, episode number 46 right here on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network, where we grow the game one podcast at a time. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminara back with you once again. As we're right in the thick of things of the world champ. Evan, we're actually sitting in the same room today. Let's get that off the top here. This is a, this is a little odd for me. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm usually staring at my computer screen, but now I'm kind of off to an angle here. We're, we're sitting literally uh, five feet away from each other. This is, this is kind of crazy. Kind of crazy, but now you don't have to adjust the volume every five seconds like you're used to. So Yeah, I don't have to play DJ on my mixer board. Uh, so this is kind of neat. We're in the same location. You're out here for the World Championships. We're hanging out uh, for the next week or so. Still haven't got uh, the new commode done in, in the spare bathroom there, Evan. Uh, we'll get to that, hopefully. You seem confident you're going to be able to do this in under half an hour. I'm, I'm not sold yet, but oh, uh, we'll keep you posted on that. It's, it's a one piece. It's actually faster than the two piece. So half hour, 45 minutes, it'll be done. We'll put a clock on it. We'll see how it goes. Uh, lots of things to talk about. Lots of people to talk to as well. we got a great show for you coming up here for episode 46. We are going to have the CEO of World Lacrosse in Jim Shear uh, on the program coming up in about 15, 20 minutes from now. Uh, really looking forward to this conversation, Evan, to talk to Jim, the CEO of World Lacrosse. Uh, we got all sorts of things we want to ask him about the Olympics, about the World Championships going on now. Um, so that'll be a great conversation. And then from the Team USA, the PLL Chaos, the Philadelphia Wings, Blaze Reardon will join us uh, in about half an hour, 45 minutes from now. Blaze coming off a nice four-goal performance Last night, and uh, he's got his Team USA into a quarterfinal game. So we'll talk to Blaze coming up after Jim. And, of course, uh, we'll get you report cards, who you got, news and notes. We'll give away a hat, tell you how to maybe win a T-shirt at the World Championships as well. So great program coming up. And what do you want to do? You want to get right into it? Yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting program because, yeah, we don't get a chance to talk about international lacrosse that much. And it's not just box lacrosse. It's... It's the field game. It's the Olympics. It's the whole spectrum that this animal has grown into. Because back in 2006, when I was with Bermuda, I think we were the 21st uh, back then ILF member. And now they got 63. Like yeah. This is just astounding how much this has grown. And then you got Blaze Reardon, who's got to be the most one of the most interesting players in the world because... You know, we talk about players that are good on both sides of the floor, like uh, Challen Rogers or mm. Lyle Thompson or Thomas Ogarth. This guy puts playing both sides of the floor to a whole different meaning. Like this, uh, being a <laughs> goaltender and a forward, this is two totally different skill sets that he somehow manages to combine. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I always kind of marveled at Matt Vince, who obviously is is one of the best box lacrosse goaltenders on the planet, but then would make Team Canada as a long pole and I wonder what is more difficult going from a field goalie to a box player or a box goalie to a field player 
I think the the box goalie is the harder one to meld just because it's a different skill set. It's almost like a hockey goaltender more than anything. Where, and this is one of the difficulties the Americans have had for some time is producing a proper box goaltender or a premier one maybe not such a proper one but a premier one yeah and because they develop a lot of great field goaltenders and it's not the same skill set and it's the hardest skill set to translate between the two games Uh, but you know like Andy Towers told us a few weeks ago he was contemplating putting Blaze up at attack and he wouldn't have hesitated to yeah if he needed him and then the other crazy part then you got a guy like Dylan Ward and you don't find this very often either. Like some guys do it, but not many excel at a high level like Dylan Ward, where he is Team Canada's field lacrosse goalie and he's Team Canada's box lacrosse goalie, which is kind of nuts as well. And he's probably the best, one of the best in the world at both. Yeah, that's and that's thing. and honestly, when people ask me who the best lacrosse player in the world is, I usually say Dylan Ward because if you're the starting goaltender for both disciplines for Team Canada, good chance you're the best player in the world. Yeah. Even though he's a goalie, you can't, can't disrespect those goalies. Hashtag goalie union. All right, Evan, let's get into our weekly Lax Class report cards. So you're going to like see all my secrets on how I do all these <laughs> things now, which is still, I'm, I'm wrapping my head around this. All the cheat sheets. <laughs> hey, come on. You can see it. The other people can Stampede Tack, more than just a boot store. They carry a wide range of hats, keep you protected from the sun, the rain, the wind, the snow. They're good for camping, fishing, hiking, anything you would do outdoors or indoors at the World Championships, for instance. Uh, Stampede Tack, front and center. I've seen Kevin Michael Winkler and the gang hanging around the Langley Event Center. So check out stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local, or head down there to Cloverdale if you're in the neighborhood. And check out Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Evan, where are we going? We going F to A, A to F. What are we doing let's this week? End on a pause. Such a positive guy. Such a positive guy. Okay, well, let's start with F, and uh, it's not too bad this week. Like we don't have to rip anybody too hard this week, uh, as far as our report cards go, which is nice because we kind of got to go. You know, like last week, we all know what happened last week. Let's move on from mm-hmm. that. But we don't have to. Uh, we don't have to go at anybody too hard this week, which is nice. But with that being said, our F this week is going out to Team Canada. Stay with me here, Evan. Don't don't get all excited right off the bat here. But it's going out to Team Canada, Team USA, and even I'm even going to throw Team Iroquois into this mix too because they just it's not quite there. And that's for these teams at the World Championships. They're the only three teams, I believe, Evan, that don't have name bars on the back of their jerseys. Now, for me, I there's I get the notion you're playing for what's on the front of the jersey and not what's on the back of the jersey. I get that, and I respect that. But where I have the problem with this is... Average Joe fan, even yourself, Evan, like you, yeah. you didn't know, right? Like, and I had to kind of look at my roster a couple of times, looking at guys watching warm up for the first time, going, "Who's wearing sixty eight, and who's wearing fifty five, and who's wearing ninety one?" Yeah, because guys have the same numbers as other guys, and they have to pick new numbers to play. But for an average fan that's coming in that doesn't have a program in front of them, that's watching this game, watching the best players on the planet, and especially for other teams besides Canada, wherever it's being played, they have no idea who is under that helmet or underneath that jersey. 
And here's an opportunity where you are on the world stage. The world is literally watching your product right now. And they can't tell who's out on the floor playing the game. It can't be a money thing. Name bars don't cost a whole lot of money. And I'm pretty sure Team USA and Team Canada can afford name bars on their back of their jerseys. Why they would not want to market their best of the best of the best in their country to the rest of the world is mind-boggling to me. Yeah. I have a media guide sitting in front of me half the time when I'm watching those. But not everybody does. I, yeah, and I, I, I've got to look at it. It's like, and you're like, a diehard like, fan. Like who's six? Like looking at who's sixty-eight, and you're thinking in the back of your mind, who in the NLL wears sixty-eight? Nobody. Tyler right? Pace does. Tyler Pace does. Sorry, but you know it's it's Shallon Rogers. But you have to literally look at the guidebook to see it. I don't know how many times I've looked at number four thinking it's Kyle Rubish. I said that on the very first game. I said, holy cow, is Rubish ever looking lean and mean? And then I realized (laughs) it was Graham Osick. Right. Now, most of the other teams do have them, although Serbia actually did it in Cyrillic, so you have to understand Cyrillic to understand the names. That's fine. They're there. That's fine. Um, The the Iroquois, Iroquois, yeah, they... They have it at the bottom of their jersey, but it's very small and subdued, and you can't really... And and listen, like, (laughs) you're wearing an Iroquois shirt right now. I picked up a little swag myself, and they have the best merchandise at the tournament, including the jerseys, and I don't think it's even close. Like, their jerseys are phenomenal. But again, you have... All these fantastic players that are so good and, and and you have a chance to introduce the best players on the planet to new fans that are watching the game and they're going, who's number 22? I, who's wearing number four? I, it makes no sense. Get name bars on the back of your jersey so you can market the best players in the in the world. To the fans. It, like, it, it makes no sense to me why you wouldn't have, and I'm starting to get excited here, Evan. I didn't <laughs> want to do that. Get name bars on your jerseys. Don't let this happen again. It's ridiculous. Market your players to the fans. That's our F this week, Evan. D. Let's move on to D, and, and this is a tough. My favorite player to watch play the game, who is it? Evan? Lyle Thompson. Lyle Thompson. You and me both. And Lyle Thompson went down with what we're hearing is a Charlie horse injury. Tim Semish of Israel, I think, landing on top of Lyle. And it wasn't you know, super egregious. I don't think it was intentional. But I've never seen Lyle Thompson hurt before, which was kind of weird for me to see him limping off the floor to begin with. I thought maybe he turned an ankle. And I thought, okay, like first game, they're up handily. Maybe they just re- – but as we've learned as the tar- tournament has gone along, Lyle Thompson is probably not going to return to this tournament anytime soon, if at all. And I'm, I'm like, I can't imagine how disappointed he must be to be able to not play in the World Championships. I'm super disappointed because he's my favorite player and I love to watch Lyle play. But the fans are the ones that really get ripped off to see this guy who's right up near the top of the list as far as best in the, on the planet. Uh, not be able to play here at the World Championships for his Iroquois Nationals. So Lyle getting hurt. The injury to Lyle Thompson is getting the D this week. Yeah, and by total fluke, I actually ran into him yesterday uh, at a Walmart, of all places. He was shopping with his kids. <laughs> yeah. But just, Hey, when you got kids, that's where you shop. Yeah, exactly. But he was driving around in one of the electric carts with crutches in hand. Like, yeah. And when I talked to him, he's like, yeah, I'm going through treatment every day. I want to play Saturday. And I'm certain if Lyle can hobble out on the floor yeah. Saturday, he's going to be there because this world t- championship 
means more than 10 NLL titles to them. It does. Right? It really so. does. And the Iroquois, for that matter. And, and, you know, they've really ran into some bad luck at this tournament. Thomas Hogarth going down what looked like to be an apparent MCL injury last night. And Dougie Jameson went Dougie down. Jameson going down. There's been a number of players I've seen, you know, in, in slings around the arena and stuff. It's a real physical game, obviously, and it's a long tournament. And uh, part of getting through it and part of being successful is, is getting healthy and being healthy through the, the entire week. And this is the conversation I had with Ed Como on Sunday night was that, um, you know, these guys have gone through a – no, some of them 22 games in the NLL. Well, Zach Courier, what was the stat you had on Zach Courier? 70 games because – and I don't know how many games he's played with the Lakers or with the Denver Outlaws, but if he played every game with the Peterborough Lakers, that's 35 games this year between regular season playoffs and man, mm-hmm. right? You know, the MLL season, that's another, what, 14 games, ballpark, plus Worlds. It, another 20-plus in the NLL. Right, so – and this is the thing is – Training camp's only five weeks away. Yeah, I, I, they're going to be guys that are just so beat up. They're going to have injuries going into the season quite substantially here. I really hope that uh, some of these guys on on these top teams in the Iroquois and USA and Canada get some time off uh, from their coaches for training camp. Like, you know, does Mark Matthews really need to go through a Saskatchewan rest training camp? And it's not like the old days where you're getting into shape at training camp. Um, and, and it's not like Mark doesn't know the, the systems and all that sort of stuff. I think you give him a, the first couple of weeks of camp off, let him get healed up and, and get right so he's because he's good to go for the season. He's but, out there, but he's not he's, no, he's, he's like no, 70% yeah. tops. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out, uh, but a lot of guys getting it out here at the World Championships. So um, no name bars get the F. Lyle's injury is getting the D. Not Lyle. Not no, Lyle's not getting the D. No, the injury the getting the D. Yes. Because and even the Canadian players were saying it like they want the best. They want to. They want to play him. Right. And you know they they say well people are going to say well the reason you won because Lyle wasn't there. Well, well forget I, that nonsense. I'm I mean, not ready to go that happen, far. Yeah. Yeah. Things happen. Right. Yeah. But. No, they want to win the title. They want best, the best on best. Yep. They want best on best. So uh, the injury to Lyle is getting the D. Let's move on to C. And uh, I'm not sure quite how I, I feel about this, Evan. Uh, you've you've moved on to your second marriage. I've uh, <laughs> I've been divorced. Uh, well, common law the second time yeah, around. Yeah, I'm smarter the second time I've, around. <laughs> I've moved on from my my first marriage as well. Um, a team Mexico player proposing. At the world champ, this is going to get our C here, Evan. I, congratulations, I guess, and and maybe uh, good luck, I guess. <laughs> I I don't uh, quite know how to approach this one. Uh, I guess it takes some guts to to get down on the oh. turf and and uh, propose to a lady right in after the the game like that. Like a lot of things can go wrong in that situation yeah. there. So. Uh, yeah, marriage proposal at the World Championships, it's not such a good thing. It's not such a bad thing. To each their own, uh, Team Mexico and the marriage proposal yeah, getting to see this week. Yeah, if I, if I did that with either wife, <laughs> I would have been shot, right? Absolutely destroyed. So, you know, good on him for doing it. And, uh, I mean, the sweaty hug that his fiance got from the entire team yeah, that, that had to have been. That was kind of neat at the end. They all they all surrounded her and kind of cut the jump cheer going. I tell everybody, try marriage once and then evaluate for yourself afterwards. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, good on them for for doing it. 
Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So, uh, marriage proposal, Team Mexico, you're getting, you're getting the C. We're going to move on to letter grade B here on Stampede Tax Weekly Lax Class Report Cards. And I mentioned the Iroquois Nationals jerseys, and I really, at this World Championships, I don't know if I've seen a jersey where I was like, that stinks. Like, that, I don't like that jersey. The Irish I wasn't a fan of. That's maybe it. Yeah, I mean, with maybe a couple, one of their jerseys, like either their roads or their, or their homes or their blacks or their whites or whatever you want to call it, uh, have been meh. But for the most part, as a general, like, all the jerseys here at the World Championships have been exceptional. And, and our old friends at Extreme Threads have done a lot of them. Um, but there are some phenomenal jerseys here at the World Championships, and I think they deserve a letter grade. So yeah. they're getting a B. If you ever seen the, if you have to watch a game, watch the Dutch jerseys. These are something else. Like it's literally like a lion coming out of the jersey. It is a sight to be seen. Israel really stepped up its game. Um, you know, the, Hong Kong actually has some very nice ones, but there's not a jersey I would be disappointed with. You know, it's and the crazy part is, is that. Some of the merchandise that goes around. I mean, I bought a hat for my son from the Swiss team, which... Is Vasily going to be listening to this now? He's going to know that you're coming home with some gifts. No, he won't listen to it till, <laughs> until he gets back. But, uh, but yeah, it's there's a lot of nice merchandise. I mean, yeah, I got the... the I really like what you're wearing right yeah. now. Not to, not This is great podcasting because nobody can see what you're wearing right now. But it's a nice like kind of dry fit, long sleeve... Uh, I, which I've never really seen. Long sleeve golf polo style dry fit. Uh, purple Iroquois Nationals. Very nice. So uniforms. The other, I kind of wanted to split the B because uh, we just don't have enough letter grades to get this in. But it definitely needs to be mentioned. And that's the goal from Dehoga Nanakoke that he scored against. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it Team USA? Who did he get that against? Yes, he got it against Americans. It was absolutely insane if you haven't seen it make sure you go find this thing on twitter it's it's making the rounds it's gone viral more or less warren hill takes the shot and gets up quickly long bomb up the floor and hits nanakoke coming off the iroquois bench he catches this ball with two american defenders kind of draped on him and in full speed like he's running as fast as he can goes one-handed sub shot around his back, between his legs. Far corner. Far (laughs) corner, and then slams into the end boards after scoring the goal. It is absolutely incredible. Stamper and Astle had the call for it. Uh, I was super jealous that I wasn't on the call for that one. But what a goal. Goal of the tournament. I don't think we'll see one better. Oh, no. And he also had what you thought was the best loose ball you've ever seen. Last night. (laughs) The one-handed. Yeah. Seriously, like I, the the skills are off the chart with the kid, and uh, I'm monikering him the chosen one for TN1. So uniforms and Dehoga get the B this week, and the A is going to go out to Lacrosse, or excuse me, Lax Sports Network, who have stepped up, purchased the broadcasting rights, and have streamed the entire World Championships, all 72 games, for free. And Evan, this is this is huge. For the world, this is huge for the sport of lacrosse. This is really big for Lac Sports Network as well and world lacrosse to be able to deliver the world championships to the entire world and do it for free is absolutely massive. And and kudos to LSN and everybody at World Lacrosse and, and TFSE TV and Langley Events, everybody that got together and made this deal happen to make it possible for the world to watch the world games. 
they're getting the A this week. Yeah, it, it's the right way to go because if you if it's a say a ten dollar per game, which a lot of the WLA and the MSL games are, you get a hundred buys or two hundred buys, and that's about all you're gonna get even for a normal Worlds game. It's free, and they pr- like at one point towards the end of the first half. It went down for a while because there were so many people watching yeah. that game. Yeah. So it just exposes the sport to a lot more people. And like we've said so many times, it's something the NLL needs to look at, either television strategy or digital free strategy, that people can happen upon it and start to you know, watch the game of lacrosse and get exposed to it for the first time, yeah. like I did back in That's 99 with the Toronto Rock. That's how you get new fans, is they, they come across the sport, they see it, and they go, holy cow, look at this, and then they want to watch it again. And if you're offering it for free, you're going to get more eyeballs on your product. Then all you need to do is get name bars on the back of your jersey so people know who they're watching when they're playing. So uh, to recap quickly, no name bars gets the F. The injury to Lyle Thompson gets the D. The marriage proposal from Team Mexico gets the C. Uniforms and TN1 spectacular goal gets the B. And LSN for streaming the World Championships gets the A this week here on lacrosse classified we're going to take a break and we got the ceo of world lacrosse coming up next here on last class keep it locked right here on the lacrosse all-stars podcast network hey this is pbl athlete zach courier of team canada lacrosse the calgary roughnecks and peterborough lakers you're listening to last class growing the game one podcast at a time all right, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you, and now joined by the CEO of World Lacrosse. It's Jim Shear, who is in Langley right now. Jim, thanks for joining us here on Lax Class. You're welcome. Glad, glad to be with you, Jake. And, well, uh, yeah, here in Langley watching some fantastic lacrosse. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, maybe no more fantastic lacrosse than what we saw last night with the Iroquois Nationals and Team Canada. We'll probably discuss that a little bit, but first thing I want to ask you, Jim, is how did you find yourself to become the CEO of World Lacrosse? Do you have a lacrosse background? How did you find yourself into this position? <laughs> Great question. I uh, I do not have a lacrosse background. I have a background in sport and Olympic sport. I was a uh, I uh, competed in a lot of sports in high school, but unfortunately no lacrosse in South Dakota where I'm from. Uh, lacrosse was the sport in South Dakota where proverbial guy carrying the lacrosse stick got to South Dakota and somebody said, what, what are you carrying? <laughs> and, um, Sounds <laughs> like stopped. Saskatchewan. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, there is lacrosse there now, which is fantastic. But I, I wrestled in the 1988 Olympics, uh, was the... Um, executive director of USA Wrestling for 10 years, uh, was at the U.S. Olympic Committee for uh, just under 10 years, and then uh, ran a couple other entities, and including the European Games. And then and then uh, this opportunity came up, and I uh, thought it was a um, just an incredible opportunity because, um, obviously, as everyone in lacrosse knows, this is a great sport. Um, I was impressed with the growth of lacrosse in the United States and, and the strength of U.S. lacrosse um, and what I had known of, of their organization and then um, felt the opportunities and, and the potential 
growth and success of international lacrosse was uh, something that I could contribute to. So it was a great opportunity for me, and I'm I'm glad uh, that um, I found lacrosse and, and they found me. Your biggest task, of course, in the coming years is the reintroduction of lacrosse into the Olympic Games. Maybe just give the listeners an update as to where things stand with getting lacrosse into 2028. Well, you know, there's two two components of it. One is, uh, you know, what what is the process, and then two, where to, where does lacrosse stand in that process? So, the Olympic Games has a fixed number of of existing Olympic sports, which are 28 on the summer program. Uh, the the Olympic Games. Um, the IOC has decided that in order to allow the host city to create more interest in their games, allow them to select what they call provisional sports uh, or host city sports. And, and the host city makes recommendations to the IOC on uh, on sports they want to include, which are intended to help the city um, make the games more relevant to the city in which the games are being held, make them more relevant to the country in which they're being held, and then help the overall popularity um and economic success of the game. So um, Tokyo and Paris, which are the next two sites of the Summer Olympic Games, um, have uh, both undertaken that process. Paris added five sports, or Paris added four sports, Tokyo added five. Um, Lacrosse, uh, since last November, is now a provisional sport recognized by the IOC. So we are now eligible uh, to participate in the process for Los Angeles. Uh, which is the next games, which has not yet selected their host city sports. So our opportunity is in 2028 with Los Angeles, and uh, we are working to uh, hopefully uh, return lacrosse to the Olympic Games in, in L.A. Speaking with Jim Shearer, the CEO of World Lacrosse, and, and with that being said, Jim, let's stay on the Olympic topic here for a moment. A lot of people talking about the format of lacrosse and and how it will be played at the Olympics. And it's kind of, I don't know how to explain it. It's a bit of a hybrid between field lacrosse and box lacrosse with some different types of rules. How did, how did the formula for what we will see at the Olympics come to be? And was that part of the IOC saying, this is what we need for it to happen. And, and part of world lacrosse, you know, you know where I'm going with this, Jim. Like, how did you come up with well, I, I what we're going to see? It is a. Um, there's two reasons that the new discipline was developed. One is that it will help a number of countries uh, develop uh, lacrosse programs more quickly that otherwise wouldn't be able to, given um, the numbers in the existing field game right now. Um, so that was a consideration. The second was was we we took a set of assumptions and World Lacrosse appointed a uh, working group, which is called Blue Skies Working Group, to come up with a set of rules that were trialed and, and then readjusted and now will be, will be continued to be um, worked on. But um, the, the assumptions were based on assumptions that we either have been told directly by the IOC or the Los Angeles Games or understand from the previous two processes that we needed a game that had a um, shorter length of running time. We needed a game that was um, fit into a television and, and to, in today's world, a digital um, format and windows for, for, for streaming and for linear broadcast. We needed a game that was 
um, easy in terms of a tournament, easier to run and schedule and, and manage within a multi-sport event format. And we needed a game that significantly reduced the numbers um, because numbers are such an incredibly important consideration for the Olympic movement now as they try and manage the size of the overall games. They've capped the games at 10,500. Um, and then we also wanted to try and bring the rules between the, the men and the women closer together um, if we could, recognizing the you know, cultural and sure. uh, development differences that have happened in the game. So they, the Blue Skies Working Group took those set of assumptions and, and built um, this new discipline, which um, obviously we're, we're still still working on, but mm-hmm. we've been pleased with the, the trials to date, and we'll continue to promote and, and grow this as a as an option. Does this replace our existing field game? No. Does it replace existing box game? No. Um, and we're not intending it to. Yeah, that's kind of my my, my my next question, Jim. Is it is there a fear or maybe some trepidation that? what we're going to see and what we're developing here so we can get the sport into the Olympics is going to be such a shadow of what the actual sport is. Is there a fear that you're getting too far away from what the sport of lacrosse is supposed to be? Well, I think that um, always is a, is a, uh, I don't know if it's a fear, but it's something yeah, that, we're definitely that might not be the right word. That, yeah. Um, that we don't want to have happen because, um, you know, the game has has grown and become as popular as it is now because, you know, the values in the game are are um, are pretty strong in the game that is played. People um, people respond to it, and, and uh, you know, it, it is it's viable. However, I would I would say we're probably in the realm of of you know three three on three basketball. You know, that might not be the best example, but you know, three on three basketball is not going to replace you know the Olympic five on five. Um, but they put a tremendous amount of energy into it, and it's now an Olympic sport as well. Um, rugby sevens is now in the Olympics, and yep. the traditional um, rugby fifteens is is still the most popular form of rugby in the world. Um, but sevens is, is rapidly gaining on it. Yeah, I think that's but a great. It hasn't affected the, Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. Participation from... in uh, in rugby fifteens. And so we'll we'll continue to keep an eye on that and, and watch it um, and try and keep this new version of the game as close to in terms of you know the value of the values of the game as close to the uh, traditional game as possible but um, obviously we still know we need a different product sure um, mm-hmm. to uh, to make a return to the Olympics right and this might be putting the cart before the horse because of course the first step is getting the sport into the games. But there's some nation recognition issues that are going to be coming up. Of course, uh, Great Britain is the member in the IOC as opposed to England, Scotland, Wales, which are in uh, World Lacrosse. But, of course, the bigger issue likely is the Iroquois Nationals who are not recognized at all by the IOC. Is there going to be something in place to hopefully get them into the Olympic Games? Yeah, it's it's obviously something that is a, is a is a very um, major part of the fabric of lacrosse. Um, obviously, we all know that the, the game was created um, in, in northeastern uh, part of this continent, and, and the Iroquois were um, um, have given the, the lacrosse community in the world a great gift. And, and the unique thing about that is they're still a very 
um, incredible force in the game and one of the, one of the best um, uh, teams in the world in terms of the competitive uh, ability of their teams, both both men and women. And so it's a very critically important part of, of lacrosse. Should lacrosse return to the Olympics, we'd love to have the Iroquois Nationals and the Haudenosaunee as a part of those games. However, you are correct. The current IOC rules, um, as, as they are, as they are implemented and, and as they have been put in place by the IOC wouldn't allow, um, wouldn't allow that. And so I think hand in hand with our attempt to get in the Olympics, it's something that we will, we will, uh, work with the IOC on, work with LA 28 on and, um, and work with the Iroquois on. So, um, certainly a, Huge consideration, something that uh, we would like to bring forward, but obviously um, can't guarantee because we don't we don't make the rules. We have to live within those rules. Yeah, and, and as we speak with Jim Shear here, like we had Lyle Thompson on on the program a while back and kind of asked him about how he would feel about lacrosse being in the Olympics and the Iroquois not being able to play. And of course, Lyle and, and the Nationals want to be in, but he said like I'm I'd rather I'd rather not be able to play and see the sport in the Olympics and grow if that's what it has to come to. For me, I, I almost look at it the other way. Like, I think it's a non-starter. If the Nationals aren't there, I, I'm almost not sure I want to see lacrosse in the Olympics because I think they belong there and, and it wouldn't be right to play the tournament without um, them being a part of it. As we speak with Jim Shear here, and and we have so many things that we want to want to talk to you about, Jim. And one of them, myself and Stephen Stamp, who were calling a game yesterday, at the World Championships, uh, the discussion of indoor, outdoor, box, field came up and what fans commonly refer it to, what they would like it referred to. As we know, this is called the World Indoor <laughs> Lacrosse Championships, where I think people are running into a bit of an issue, and I think you know where I'm going with this, Jim, is that you can you can play field lacrosse indoors, you can play box lacrosse outdoors, and it gets a little convoluted. I know the rebranding from FIL to World Lacrosse, and I think that was fantastic. You kind of put your stamp on it with your new staff and, and get this thing going in the right direction. Has there been any consideration to maybe changing the branding to box and field instead of indoor and outdoor? Is this something that you guys have kind of hitched your wagon to and are going to stick with? There have been a number of discussions uh, relative to that, um, and what um, are the proper? And there are people, um, and I have to respect the opinions of the people who have been in the game for a very, very long time. There are people on on both sides of the issue, right? So we've had a number of people say, "Well, we should we should use a terminology box for anything that is box lacrosse, whether it is a um, box lacrosse game set up with boards on an on an outdoor field or um, you know box lacrosse on an an indoor <clears throat> indoor venue, so that's one side of the argument. The other side of the argument is, well, let's you know, let's let's keep indoor and outdoor, and and because box kind of denotes a, a a building more than a game, and, and let's let's all standardize everything the other way. Mm-hmm. But I think certainly one of the things that as a, as a federation, and I think one of the things that um, we've heard a lot here, and and. Um, in my time at, at World Lacrosse is, you know, a viable development alternative for, for lacrosse is 
um, let's get portable boards and let's let's play um, box lacrosse um, or indoor <laughs> lacrosse right. outdoors. Right. And, and, right. Uh, so. and let's use that as a development tool. Um, and there is something to that, and a lot of a lot of makes a lot of sense in different places. Um, and so, yeah, I think we really need to kind of um, look at how it's branded, how we, and, you know, branding has two parts. One is you know, trying to come up with you know, a brand and a, a set of marks to to, uh, to identify it with. But the other part of it is then how do you build equity in it and, and build the usage? Um, so we would have to do both in this case. Sure. Um, but I think we really we really need to as a sport from the international side, take a look at it. Yeah, well, just um, just so you know, Jim, we ran a poll on Twitter. We got over, I want to say, close to 1,300, 1,400 votes. And box and field won in a landslide by about 94% on the poll, if that means anything to you. No, that's great. That's good to know. Um, that's great to know. So far, five days into the tournament, um, a lar- much larger tournament than... We've seen in the past a lot of new countries. What are your thoughts so far on the opening five days? Um, missed the last part of your sentence, Jay. But just just your overall thoughts as to we're five days into the tournament. What are you? What are your thoughts on the World Championships so far? Well, I think it's obviously a very um, you kind of have two two different uh, events within one here. And there's mm-hmm. no secret that you have three teams that that are, are you know have a gap among the rest of the field. Although you know Israel and, and England um, have had some good moments in the tournament, they're not they're not quite at that other level yet. Um, but but three phenomenal <laughs> games so far that uh, we'll see um, some great games in the semis and finals as well as, as those those games are kind of revisited. But the level of lacrosse in those games has been uh, just you know just incredible, and the kind of play that you're seeing. Um, really, really shows what, what this sport is all about. But I think we also have um, some countries that you know, haven't been here before that are competing very, very well. Um, you got some countries that are really developing, and um, it's kind of it's been really um, great to see you know, that, that kind of uh, spirited competition um, happening, and kind of in that that next that next wave of, of the event. So. It's been pretty neat, you know, Serbia and, and uh, Netherlands, uh, it's been, uh, Hong it's been Kong, yeah. pretty good surprise. And the Netherlands coming on with with a pretty strong team is another another major surprise. Finland, which has had potential, is playing very very well here. Um, so it's good. It's it's uh, it's nice to see Hong Kong's. Yeah, Hong Kong's um, been great. Actually, uh, gains gain some experience. They're going to be fantastic. So, um, so it's kind of nice. It's. It's good, and I think uh, uh, box slash indoor lacrosse. We won't we won't end the argument today, but <laughs> we'll continue to grow and become more popular on an international level. And uh, you know, there's no question that the game is, uh, you know, uh, this form of, of lacrosse is is pretty darn exciting. You talked about the development of the game, and I think back um, this would have been 13 year, 14 years ago now. Um, I was actually the person who was instrumental bringing Bermuda is in, in as a member back then. We were the twenty-first member when we joined back then. It was the ILF. Now you have sixty-three countries. Um, 
got to be fantastic to see the growth, but I guess at the same time, what are the challenges to trying to develop the games in in these smaller countries where you may only have a couple hundred players to start with? I think, you know, it's it's similar to the challenges you face in any sport. I mean, you need, uh, I think it all starts with, with great coaching. You need coaches who are passionate and, and knowledgeable. And if you have a coach um, who is both passionate and knowledgeable, um, wherever they are, they usually end up creating programs. Um, but that coach also needs um, some funding. Uh, they need fields, and they need a, they need an audience. They've got to be able to find some kids. And then, obviously, as we all know, you need some equipment. And uh, one of the biggest challenges we have in lacrosse is effectively getting um, getting good equipment out around the world mm-hmm. uh, because with no retail base and no real strong wholesale base outside of a few countries, it really makes it much, much more difficult. Uh, but I think we started to do a better job in that. Um, and then, as in every sport, you need you need facilities and, and resources. But I think once and if we return to the Olympic Games, um, I'll say once because I think we will be will be successful, and, and uh, certainly over time we will be successful. Um, <clears throat> but that also brings kind of I think the it brings two things. One, it brings real resources from the national Olympic committees and sport ministries in a whole host of countries around the world where those those resources are not open to our governing bodies or prospective governing bodies. And the second thing it does is it's a stamp of approval um, that a parent or a school administrator or an athletic club administrator or a coach can look at and say, oh, that's sports in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. We should have it in our club. We should have it in our school. Um, we, I should let my children go play it. And uh, that's that's a pretty valuable commodity to have around the world. Speaking with CEO of World Lacrosse, Jim Shear. And, uh, Jim, a couple of more here for you before we let you go. We really appreciate your time. And, and I guess something I want to bring up, and this I, it won't be the easiest question to ask and won't be the easiest question to answer, I'm sure, as well. And it may be something that you, you can't even have a direct impact on. I don't know. But... I guess where I'm going with this, Jim, is that we're pretty spoiled here in Canada with the level of officiating that we get, not only in Canadian summer lacrosse, but throughout the National Lacrosse League as well. And I hate to say it, but the, the officiating at this tournament has been a bit of a focal and talking point and not for a good, not for good reasons. And I understand it that, you know, you're, you're getting international officials from all over the world coming to a world stage and, and maybe seeing caliber of lacrosse that they've never even encountered before. And it's fast and it's, and it's quick and it's, and it's explosive and all these things and hard to kind of wrap your head around. And, and on the flip side of things, before I get to my question, like I think the officials have done a, a wonderful job of being super consistent on the way that they've called this tournament. And, and whether it's the right way that they've called it or the wrong way, I think they've been ultra consistent on the way that they've called the games. And I think that the teams have had a hard time adjusting to that. And that's on them more than it is the referees. Where I'm going is how do we get, I guess, the rest of the world get caught up to the officiating standard that maybe we're used to here in North America? Yeah. <clears throat> Very good question. Um, and I think I'd answer it a couple of ways. One is, you know, there's a dedicated pool of officials that have been drawn from, from uh, across the world for this event. 
and you're right they don't many of them don't have the background um that that and the number of games under their belts that the officials or the the level of games that the officials that um some of our teams are used to in in north america either playing in the nll or or in in uh, domestic leagues in canada <clears throat> so that's a uh, that's a tough one um but also you know there are rules there are some rules differences and certainly the way the rules are interpreted and enforced uh, are are different and so um and that happens all around the world but when they come here they're we're trying to trying to stick to you know the way the world across rule book and and the way that it's been interpreted and be consistent so i appreciate the fact that that there has been consistency yeah um but you know there have been a couple of games that uh, you know whether whether teams or whether officiating kind of got away a little bit in terms of of, of as clean a game as possible and, and just letting the players decide the outcomes um and i think it's a growing pain um, you have more teams in this tournament, more, you need more officials, you spread out a little bit more. But also we want to grow the capabilities of officials around the world. And you're bringing officials from around the world from here, and it's tough to, to train officials at a world event. Sure. But um, I think as we as we continue to, to try and what I would call um, bring our entire sport up um, to different levels now that we have uh, strategic plan and a management team and more funding, you know, officiating will be a major part of that, both in how we identify, develop, train, um, certify officials, and then train them for an uh, international stage like this. And, and, you know, it's a resource game. Um, you know, we have all volunteer official crews, you know, that are spending their time trying to, trying to develop for this event and then be at this event. It's one of the things that we need to continue to look at as an international federation and how we support it financially and how we train and develop. But it is a, uh, a work in progress. Part of our plan going forward to, to put more resources into that development. Absolutely. I saw uh, Brian Lemon, Director of Officials for the National Lacrosse League, in the house last night. I'm sure you've had a, a number of conversations with him. As I'll ask you one more here, Jim Shear, before we let you go. And um, that has to do with. The women, the ladies, the girls. Uh, we've seen U19 girls field lacrosse. We've seen women's field lacrosse at the World Championships. We know we have U19 boys. We have men's field lacrosse championships. And now we have the men's World Lacrosse Championships uh, for box lacrosse. Will we, in fact, see U19 World Championships for box lacrosse under World Lacrosse? And to take that a step further... When is it time for the women to get onto the world scene as far as box lacrosse goes to at the U19 and the senior level? Is that something that's maybe on the horizon to see the women and the girls come in to the box lacrosse on the world scene? Yeah, great question. I think two, two parts of that. One is, you know, do we need to expand our, our set of offerings and, and um, go U19 with with box lacrosse and, and, and or some other form of of a world junior championships and we're certainly in discussions with the group that held that um which i would call a kind of a world invitational event sure. already yep and we certainly want to develop this sport and and try and move in that direction um so that is on the horizon and do it in a cooperative fashion with, with the people who are playing um who have box across at those age groups um and then secondly on on the women's side yeah. You know, 
and, and a bit of a, a bit of a, a chicken and egg, right? Do you build it and then teams will develop and come, or do we develop teams and, and create a demand and then have an event? Um, so we're looking at that, but we're certainly looking at the development of a box lacrosse for women and how we can promote it and get more countries to play it. And, and we talked about having a uh, invitational tournament in, in Europe next year um, cool. and try and kind of stimulate some growth. And so we're definitely on the horizon. Um, obviously, we have a lot of priorities and <laughs> we can't we can't do everything. Um, but I think as we look at our long range planning, um, you know, this is a, as, as, as everybody who's been here has witnessed, this is an incredible form of lacrosse and incredibly, um, uh, exciting and, and, uh, and great game. And, and, um, we as international federation should be developing that opportunity for women. And so long-term we will definitely definitely be working in that direction well i'll tell you what jim uh, i'm super excited that uh you're now steering the ship in the right direction i think world lacrosse has already done a ton of great things and and more great things to come on the horizon it was fantastic to to meet you briefly yesterday i appreciate your time here on lacrosse classified and look forward to seeing you around the langley event center for the rest of the week here at the world championships <laughs> great <clears throat> great well thanks for having me on uh, thanks for uh, for what you do for the game and, and uh yeah, we're going to have a great uh, a great another week here in, in Langley. I appreciate it. Uh, best of luck. I know you're pulling some long days there at the LEC. Keep it up, and uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Jim. That was Jim Shear, the CEO of World Lacrosse, and that was just a fantastic conversation, Evan. A, a lot of a lot of things to digest there in that 2025-minute uh, phone call. And we only scraped the surface of everything going on uh, underneath the game because – like I said, it's it's an organization that I believe the 1994 World Championship had four teams. So you've yeah. gone from that to having to have qualifiers now to get into the world, and it's and here we are with 20 teams at the Box right. Lacrosse Championships as well. It's fantastic and uh, new leadership at World Lacrosse, and they're pushing this thing in the right direction. It's high time, and I love to see it. It's uh, it's fantastic to see, and I, I just I'm like so excited for what's on the horizon for this sport because I really feel like now. The World Lacrosse Federation is, is, is heading in the right direction. It's been some time since uh, we've been able to say that. Let's take a break, Evan Schemenauer. And on the other side, we have Team USA member Blaze Reardon. Coming up next here from the Stars and Stripes, live from Langley at the World Indoor Lacrosse Championships. Blaze Reardon on the other side here in Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vita Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all-natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is Andy Towers, head coach of the PLL Chaos and Cross Club. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. All right, lacrosse fans, welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Thanks to our friends at Pure Vita Labs. Anything else would be on Sportsmanlike. Hashtag flip the switch. Best supplements on the market. You know by now, Evan, all natural, no artificial colors or flavoring. They're informed choice certified. Best on the market. Tons of lacrosse players taking those supplements and even a broadcaster or two are on them as well. (laughs) 
PVL.com is where you can find him. Uh, one of Blaze's teammates, Trevor Baptiste, a PVL athlete, uh, as we welcome Team USA member, Team Chaos member, Philadelphia Wing member. It's Blaze Reardon on the program. Blaze, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure, man. Uh, let's. Why don't we start last night? Uh, fantastic game for you and your teammates on Team USA. You get four and two against Team England. And uh, a real nice win for you guys before getting a day off and, and awaiting your quarterfinal matchup. Yeah, no, it was a huge team win, and uh, it's just all about momentum at this point. It's a long tournament, a lot of bumps and bruises along the way, but um, I think uh, the three guys that came in from that came in late from the PLL championship gave everyone a little spark, and we're clicking on all cylinders, and we continue to uh, we hope to continue that uh, trend. Of course, one of those teammates is your Philadelphia Wings teammate, Matt Rambo, who has had one absolutely unbelievable season in the PLL. What's the impact he brings to your team, and how do you think this is going to translate into the Wings season coming up? Yeah, he, he's got uh, he's the X Factor. He's got uh, traits that you can't teach. Uh, you're just born with them, and um, his calm, cool, collective um, – Mindset into the game definitely definitely is a common presence for our offense, but he just puts the ball in the back of the net, and he's a guy that you want to work hard for because you know that uh, if you're working hard for him, then it's going to be beneficial for our team because he's he's going to have a huge impact on the game. So having him back is awesome, and he's one of my best friends, so uh brings a, a little new life to our left side, and we're excited to uh, get things rolling. We're talking with Blaze Reardon, and, and Evan and I were talking about this before we got onto onto the show here, and we were talking about Matt Vince and how he is a top-flight goaltender in box lacrosse, but then it was a long pole in field lacrosse, and you're the opposite where you're a goaltender in field lacrosse, but then a forward in box lacrosse, which is really like no, there's nobody else that's doing this, Blaze. I don't, how did this all transpire where – you picked up one discipline in the outdoor game and another in the indoor game. How did this all come about, and how did you manage to work your way to the top at the pro level of both disciplines? I started off, I grew up with a lacrosse stick in my hand. My dad played growing up, so um, I was born with a lacrosse stick in my hand. And uh, Growing up, I always played offense and loved to score, but um, at an early age, I think uh, fifth grade, I ended up hitting our goalie. Um, in the hand with a shot and broke his hand, and so, so my dad was like, "Since you did it, you got to be the one that hops in that." And I hopped in and had all these pads on, and I was like, "I'm not wearing these stupid pads." And he's like, "Well, if you get hit and you cry, it's not my fault." And um, my first tournament, my first tournament ever, I got hit in the shoulder with a shot, and everyone comes running to the sideline, and my dad was like. I told why, why, what, what's going on? And he goes, I told you. Uh, your goalie called a time. <laughs> your, your goalie called a timeout, and uh, I ran and I ran off the field to cry. So I didn't cry on the field. And he lost my <laughs> <stick>. So <clears throat> it kind of started like that, and then I was lucky enough in my Albany days to uh, have the pleasure of playing with the Thompson Trio, and I played man up at Albany. Coach Mar was like, "Hey, I, I've seen your shot. Why don't you play some man up?" and I played goalie, obviously, and called me down to uh, the Ukwesasne Mohawk Reservation. And I played uh, my first year of junior B lacrosse when I was 18. It was my first ever year of box. I wasn't very good, but I loved it, and I stuck with it for three years and won a Founders Cup and started to get the hang of it and got the opportunity in 2015 
to play for the USA team and uh, shined a little bit there and just continued to work at it. And it was a long journey, but it got me to where I am today. And uh, it's been an awesome experience. Now you got a completely different skill set involved here. How do you manage to translate transition your game from once one completely opposite set of skills to the other in such quick fashion? Uh, it, it's tough at times, but at the end of the day, it's, it's riding the bike. I'm 25 years old now, and I've been playing since I've been four years old. So um, at some point, it just has to come natural. You know, I've 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 had a stick in my hand every day from the time you can walk. So um, it's just something that you got to put your. It's it's more of a mental mindset. Is there, uh, is there one that's from one season? Sorry, Blaze. Is yeah, there one that's is there one that's harder than the other? Like, is it easier to go from playing a game of field and goal and then going to play a box game, or is it easier to play a box game as a player and then go play a game of goal, or does it matter? Um, it, it, it both have their challenges. Um, being a goalie, I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think there's many people that are able to just hop in a game and start <laughs> no, playing the hand-eye coordination, not, the mental. No. The, the mental the mental mindset of being a goalie is definitely very difficult. But then um, the fast pace of the NLL, uh, as most people know nowadays, the NLL is um, some of the best best athletes in the world. Um, it's not about just about stick skills anymore. So getting up to speed, um, fitness wise, and you know the pace of play is definitely a lot different than being in a goal all day. So both have their challenges, but um, I definitely think it's harder from going from uh, box season into goalie season, not seeing shots for, you know, seven months and then hopping back in that, you know, <laughs> getting hit the first couple of times yeah. feels, doesn't feel, doesn't feel normal. And, uh, it takes a little bit to get going, but once, once you're in the zone, you're in the zone. And you can't, you can't run off the field to go cry anymore either. <laughs> yeah, no, no, crying's not an option. So I'm stuck, I'm stuck with the bruises. We had your uh, head coach, Andy Towers, on about a month ago. And when we asked about you, he said, you are the best goaltender on the planet. Not only did he say it, he repeated it to make sure we knew that he was serious. Got to be some high praise from one of the best coaches in the game. Yeah, no, it means a lot. But um, at the end of the day, it's a team sport. And I'm only as good as the guys in front of me. And um, I was lucky enough to... To be able to play uh, behind guys like Brody Merrill and Jared Newman and Mark Lassini and, you know, all my chaos teammates. So they made my job a little easier. And uh, I respect Coach Towers to the highest uh, praise. So um, the fact that he would even uh, mention that is a huge honor. But at the end of the day, we're just getting started and uh, win championships. It's, so it's just too bad he doesn't coach better. with a little more energy, please. <laughs> yeah. Hey, like, uh, yeah, the, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, his pregame speeches will put you to sleep if you're not, <laughs> if you're not drinking clean workouts. So you gotta you gotta get yourself pumped up for the games around him. You got guards around you that make sure nobody's running through a brick wall after that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you, and you better watch out too because you never know when you're gonna get one of his forearms to your chest. Yeah, yeah, he, look he, out. he always jokes around and gives you one and laughs after it, but no doubt the guys that get hit aren't laughing after they're. Uh, <laughs> They're trying to catch their breath. So. Speak- <laughs> no he's, the, he's the man. Speaking with Blaze Reardon here of the Philadelphia Wings and Team USA, let's get back to the World Championships here, Blazer. And, and you know, you coming into this squad 
I would imagine you know most of these guys, if not all, but is there maybe a guy or two on this team that you didn't really realize how good he was, or maybe a guy that you didn't know very well that you've kind of gotten close to over the last five or six days here? Yeah, no, I, I know a bunch of the guys coming in, and um, people continue to impress me. I think I think a guy to look out for on this tournament is Matt Dunn. He's a guy that picked up box across. Um, I think at the Lax All-Stars Tournament last year was his first time Wow! putting on box pads, and he's one of the best PLL defensemen in the league. And um, He continues to impress me. I played against him. He played for the Georgia Swarm this year. And he did a great job, and he came here and played lights out yesterday um, after getting on a flight and traveling. Um, he's just a guy that continues to impress me. He's always asking questions and watching films, so I'm excited to see uh, how the rest of the tournament transpires for him. Uh, um, it's just an absolute honor playing with all these guys. They all they all have something different from our veterans to our rookies. Um, they all bring something. So it's great to learn from them and, uh, you know, feed off their energy and their experiences. And But Matt Dunn is definitely a guy you're going to want to look out for for the rest of this tournament. You guys could have almost been written off by most lacrosse experts after Tom Schreiber goes down in the PLL. Um then you come out against the Iroquois, lose a tight one. You're going to get some extra bodies. They've lost Thomas Hogarth. You're probably going to be seeing them again in the semifinals. It must that game against them in the round robin must have been a confidence booster going forward. Yeah, at the end of the day, we still lost the game, but um, yeah, there's always confidence. There's always parts of the game that you dissect that you're like, oh, we did this really well, and we did that really well, and this is stuff that we need to work on. So. Um, we know we're right there. Um, we know what we're going to do. we got to play perfect against teams like the Iroquois and Canada. You know? It's the best of the best, but um, we're right there with them, and you look at our roster um, compared to what it was in 2015, and yeah. almost every guy on our roster has NLL games. And, uh, that's a huge so difference, eh, Blaze? Like, that's a massive difference, having that NLL experience now under your belt. Yeah, and uh, in 2015, I remember I was – uh, walking to go to my first practice in Syracuse, and I heard guys on the elevator saying, "Isn't that Blaze Rudin guy a field goal?" And I was a rookie, never played, never played anything besides junior B lacrosse. So there's definitely uh, U.S. lacrosse done a great job getting guys together, and uh, you know the American product getting put out in box lacrosse nowadays. I mean, you saw how many guys got drafted, and yeah. how many guys are going to training camp. The uh, it's definitely tenfold compared to what it was four years ago. So the confidence is there. We just need to execute and uh, stick to our game plan. And, you know, I think it's definitely going to be exciting next couple of days for the World Lacrosse Championships. No question about it. And you've opened up a lot of people's eyes, including mine and Evans, Blaze. Uh, as we speak with Blaze Reardon here, and I know you, you got the World Championships on your mind right now, Blaze, but i, I got to ask you about the Philadelphia Wings going into your second season there in Philly with uh, the new team back there. Um, not the greatest first season there in Philadelphia, and, and I would expect only can go up from here, but how excited do you get back to, uh, with the Wings there in the city of brotherly love coming up? Oh, I loved it. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Philadelphian now. Uh, I live in Philadelphia, oh. and uh, I love the city and everything about the organization. So, um, as you mentioned, we can only go up from here, and, you know, to the naked eye, you see our record, and you're like, this team sucks. But um, if you know anything about the game and tuned into the games, you would know that it was, it, the games were never one-sided. Um, they were all battles that came down to the end, and it's a le- it's a, it, it was it was a nine-team league, so it's the best of the best. So a little a little mistake here and there, and 
you know, the experience that you get along the way um, are only going to get us better. So hopefully some of those one games last year turn into wins. And, you know, we we got a great coaching staff and a great organization and a great group of, group of guys. So I'm just hoping that uh, we can continue to grow and, uh, I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah, it's it's a funny game how fine the line is between wins and losses in the National Lacrosse League. And you guys were just on the wrong side of it a few times there with one goal losses. And and it's a fine line to to get those wins and losses. Uh, best, hey Blaze, I really appreciate your time here on Lax Class, man. Best of luck uh, the rest of the way here at the World Championships and uh, on with the Philadelphia Wings and and the rest of your lacrosse career. I hope we can uh, do this again real soon. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me and. Your guys' podcast is great, and it's great for the sport, and it's entertaining, and uh, it was an honor to be on it and to talk to you guys, so I appreciate your time. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. That was Blaze Reardon of the Chaos of the Wings and Team USA. Evan, you're right. That Iroquois-Team USA matchup in the round robin, one of the games of the tournament, and if we get that again in the semifinal, uh, a lot of lacrosse fans are going to be pretty happy watching that one. Yeah, no, it it was an eye-opener because, you know, I think even I was one of the guys that wrote the U.S. off quite quickly, especially with Tom Shriver going down. That's not the case, and we know it now, and the Iroquois are going to have their hands full in that semifinal. Yeah, Gallo Abrams has really stepped his game up in goal, and I think that's kind of been the difference from USA is now they kind of feel like, hey, we got a goaltender that can win us some games here. So that's a good feeling to have as a team. Evan, let's take a break, and on the other side, it's another round of Who You Got? It's coming up next here on Lax Class on the Lacrosse All-Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Dan Carey, the general manager of the Rochester Nighthawks. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars. Growing the game one podcast at a time. All right, welcome back to Lax Class. Thanks to our friends at Associated Labels and Packaging. They create first impressions, and they do a mighty fine job of that. Best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging. Associated-Labels.com or their social media at Associated LP. Always at the forefront of practicing good environmental techniques with their business. Leading that at Associated Labels and Packaging. We want to head down there and check out the the compound down there for Sean Ashworth and company in the next few days before you head back to Saskatoon, Evan. uh, Wait till you see this place. It is an absolute juggernaut of a a label and packaging conglomerate. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited because uh, I do work with a marketing company and... We're looking at the possibility of some of our clients actually looking at those products because of the, the, you know, the fact that they're biodegradable and whatnot, and that's it's a very, very important factor now with a lot of our clients to, to have that awareness. And yeah, they, I mean, that's that's right to the forefront of of what they care about maybe more than anything is is the environment when it comes to their business. So. Might be a nice little relationship there as it's Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you here on Lax Class, and we're going to get into another round of Who You Got, Evan, and of course you know that Who You Got is presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. 
Summer riding season, it's pretty much over now, Evan. We are into the fall officially here in September. You guys call this fall? <laughs> yeah. it's uh, Sun is peeking through, high overcast, uh, still warm enough to have the windows and doors open. But, yes, fall is here. But you're still going to get out there and ride your bike. Nothing's stopping you. And they got all the gear that you need at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Get out there to Cloverdale or shop online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Evan, last week, uh, no gain ground or no ground gain, no ground lost. Uh, we both went a tidy five and one. Should we give away the hat first? Sure. All yeah. right, hat is going out to Greg Miller. Congratulations, Greg Miller, who went a perfect 6-0. and As did five other people, but he was in first. Greg in. That's how it works, folks. You tie with other people. It's whoever gets their picks in first. And Greg Miller, congratulations. Yeah, we had a record number of entries last week. Yes, we did. Uh, the spreadsheet was uh, fired up last night, uh, getting that all sorted out. Greg Miller, you won yourself a hat. We'll be in touch uh, to get your information and get that off to you. Congratulations. We're about to give another one. This might be the final hat we're giving away, Evan. Until the NLL season starts, and we're going to find out what the new prize is. Yeah, yeah and we're going to have to like figure out what to do for a couple of segments here uh, for a couple of months. Yeah. We're going to have to break format and, and figure <laughs> things out, man. We're going to have to do some thinking. But, Maybe some NLL team previews. And we still need to, uh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And we still need to talk to Kevin about uh, what's going to happen here when I win this, this contest and, and you have to pay the piper. <laughs> going to probably go see him this afternoon. So Okay, okay, bring that up. Uh, so we both went 5-1. and one. I am 33-26. and 26. You are 34-25. and 25. One game ahead. Now, you listed out five games on the Twitter feed for this week. I suggested that we kind of keep it going, just me and you, and, and go out with a bang here. So we're pretty confident in our picks for the, the medal rounds here. We are going to pick some extra games just to kind of finish strong here. So stay with me. Are you ready to go? And if you're listening, you got to get the quick picks in quick because the first game is at 5 p.m. today. Yeah. And so I, you got to get them in fast. I'm calling that one. I'm calling. And hey, listen, even if you don't make the cutoff for that game, still get your picks in because you could go a perfect 4 0 or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, you could still win. You could still win. But yes, Netherlands and the Czechs come up at 5 o'clock today. Myself, Steve Stamp will have. Steven Stamp will have the call. <laughs> I get a text from Stamper. <laughs> have, uh, have the call for that one at 5 o'clock. And then it's Finland and England here on day six. Uh, the Chancellor and Astle will have the call. In that one. Okay, who you got? Here we go. So today, like we just mentioned, Evan, you're ahead by one game. I get to host again. Both went 5-1. and one. Here we go. Netherlands versus the Czech Republic. This is a tricky one, Evan. Who you got? I'm going to be interested to see where you try to make up the ground this week because there's not that many spots that I think you can. <laughs> here's here's the difference. Now, and this, is the, this is an interesting thing in that the Netherlands is in this game in part because Serbia is an associate member. They could not win their group. So the Netherlands are the winners of their group. As a result, the Czechs won their group handily. Here's why I'm making my decision, and that is one of these two teams has one of the hottest goaltenders on the planet at the moment, and one Mr. Peter Dubinsky. Mm. I'm taking the Czech Republic. 
Andrew Gallant playing. Uh, is, he, is he the the yes, Netherlands he goaltender? Uh, senior Adnax Warriors third goaltender. He's been playing really well for the Netherlands as well. Um, man, I think the Netherlands have surprised a lot of people. I think they should have beaten Serbia in their round robin game. They gave up like a four goal lead late in the Eight, fourth. One fourth. Yeah. So um, I don't think they allow that to happen again here. I'm down a game to you. The Czechs got knocked out of the blue division last time around. I haven't been overly impressed. I think Dubinsky is is playing fantastic, but I got a I got a little feeling about about the Dutch here, Evan. Take the Netherlands, taking them. So I got Netherlands. You got the Czechs. Already a differentiating pick. I like it. After that one today, and uh, this is a real big game, the winner of this one gets to play Israel in the quarterfinal. The winner of the Netherlands and Czechs will play the U.S. The U.S., okay? So just so we're staying on the same page here. So winner of Czechs, Netherlands, play the U.S. Winner of Finland and England will play Israel. Finland at England. Evan, who you got? Finland's got an up-and-coming program. Uh, they've had one for some time. Uh, but the key here is is that England rest. And for those that saw the scoreline yesterday, 22-3, to mm. ignore it because Frankie Shiliano was sitting on the bench. Tyson Rowe wasn't dressed. There are a few other guys that mm-hmm. England just said, you know what, we're putting our three healthy scratches to our three best players and, and waiting for the next game. So... With Frankie Shiliano, am I betting against betting against him against Finland? No, I'm not. I'm taking England in this You're one. You're taking England. You're taking... And oddly enough, in the early picks that have come in, more have actually said Finland. I don't know why, but they have. I'm I'm leaning towards the Finns right now. I really am. I think uh, Joachim Miller, Rube Jokola, Zach Hagen... Or no, sorry, he's Israel. Hagen's is Israel. Um, but I think they've been playing really well. I, they went undefeated in the round, Robin. Did they not? Yeah, they won their group straight up. Beat Australia in uh, yeah an interesting game to say the an least. An interesting <laughs> game, yes. But with all that being said, I'm of English descent, Evan. I can't bet against the motherland, so give me England as well. Taking England. All right. So with those two games, the winner of that gets Israel. And with that being said, so now that we've both taken England and we've both made a pick between the Netherlands and Czechs, we know that those teams are going to move in to the quarterfinals here. So essentially, these games that we're picking, we're predicting who they're going to play in the next round. So we have Israel against England, we're both predicting, and USA, I'm predicting it's going to be the Netherlands, you're predicting it's going to be the Czechs. And now we need to pick those games. And that's different from the the online picks where you just say the winner, you get both teams. There so you go. it's different. Okay, so USA against either the Czechs or the Dutch, Evan. Who you got? It's an easy one for the Americans here. They they have far too much talent, well above the other two teams. The Americans make it to the semis. I agree. I agree. And let's just keep moving because uh, I think that's a pretty easy pick. Which leads us to Israel against either Finland or England. Who you got? Well, now, of course, Israel beat England in overtime. Uh, a rough start for Frankie Shilly on five goals in, I think, the opening 10 minutes. Mm. But then one goal in the next 45. So 
what Israeli teams going to show? Mm-hmm. Deckelbaum didn't play in that game against England. No, um, I'm still going to take the Israelis. Um, I just think they are the better team. I think they might be the better team as well. And they're rested. That's they got two days rest coming into this game. But I think England is going to make a statement here. I think they're going to get a little payback for that overtime loss. I hate to go against my buddy Brad MacArthur and the Israelis, but again, God save the Queen, Evan. I'm going to go with England here to beat Israel in the quarterfinals. You're taking Israel. I got England. And, and there's my one one game lead right there. Well, if Israel wins, it's your it's your death. That but, twice or twice you've taken England in this game and twice lost. If England beats Israel, I got to do something, yeah. right? Like I, I I gotta do something. Okay, so now we know it is uh, semifinal time. This is going to be on Thursday, and essentially we're looking at an Iroquois USA quarterfinal matchup here. Right. Who you got? Uh, as much as there's no Lyle Thompson, as much as there's no Thomas Hogarth, I'm still taking the Iroquois. The American goaltending is is weak at best. Um, they got some fire. They got some definite firepower up front. There's no question about that. Um, but I think there's just too much overall talent from the Iroquois not to be back in the final. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Iroquois over the USA, which will put USA into the bronze medal game. Canada against either Israel or England. Evan, I pretty. I don't even know if I need to ask you on this, but for the sake yeah. of the show. Who you got? Canada had two lopsided wins over both teams. It's a pretty easy pick. That's the Canadians. Agreed. So that leaves us with our bronze medal game, which will either be USA against Israel or USA against England. Canada and Iroquois in the final. Let's talk about the bronze medal game here first, Evan. Who you got? The Americans, of course, handled England easily, although granted the the people that were missing... But they also handled Israel relatively well without Matt Rambo. Mm. Um, and trying to remember who else that it was. Connor Kelly. That Connor was Kelly, was Matt Dunn, yes. So if they have even more bodies in this game, I think they roll to the bronze medal. And pretty safe to assume we're both taking Canada over. I'm still going to ask you, but just safe to assume that we're taking Canada over. Safe to assume. The okay, other. wait. Who you got, Evan? Who I got is Canada. As much as I was looking forward to this phenomenal gold medal game, it still can be a phenomenal gold medal game. The Iroquois injuries are just stacking yeah. up. But the round, like the round robin game last night, finished in a seven goal win for Canada. But it what like it wasn't a seven goal game. Like it, it seven six at halftime. Shots were dead even. It was a big fourth quarter. It almost seemed like Canada just, like, that's why the game is 60 minutes long is because they just kept coming and coming and coming. And finally in the fourth quarter, Warren Hill and, and the Nationals' defense, they just could not hold the fort anymore. And it was almost like the dam just busted open. Well, i got to give a lot of props to my man Kyle Rubish, right? <laughs> you know, we egg we on him a little bit for his lack of uh, goal scoring, but he picked up this ball in transition, and it's him and Curtis Dixon who – had not yet come off. He looked off Superman on the two right. on one. Yeah, and 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 Hyanna Thompson. I I don't I don't blame him for completely going to, to Dixon. Oh, he did the right thing. You're you're not gonna think Rubes is ever gonna score, but 
he buried that five hole, and you know every time that Rube scores, I owe him a beer because you know, he's. And that was a big goal get, too. Like it know, was a, it was an important goal for Team Canada at that point of the game as well. Yeah, no, but he, I mean, he won one stage in the NLL. He went what two and a half years without a goal. So. Yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> I know the feeling. Uh, so my man Rips uh, with a big goal there last night for Team Canada. They win it nineteen to twelve. In what could very well be a rematch of the gold medal game coming up on Saturday. So, let's recap it here quickly. I got uh, the Netherlands. You got the Czechs. You got Israel. I got England. Those are our only two differentiating picks. We got the rest of the thing going right to the wire. Canada winning gold. Iroquois winning silver. USA winning bronze. Uh, is kind of how we have it going. You got the one game lead. This is the final who you got of the summer season, and it'll all be settled by Saturday night where I will be crowned champion. I can't wait for this. This is going to be Actually, fantastic. Actually, it'll be settled by Thursday night. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, good. Touche. Touche. I can win even earlier than Saturday. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm just going to hate to see you moping around this no, house when I beat you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if, if, uh, if, if the key still works when you try and come yeah. home. <laughs> All right, so that was who you got uh, presented by Stampede Tech in Western Wear. And just one left, or one thing left to do here on Lacrosse Classified for Episode 46, and that's to get to news and notes, as we always do to end off the podcast here. Uh, I want to start with the Emily Goss update. Things are progressing still. Um, just got an update from Warren Goss a couple of days ago. Emily continuing all her therapy. She's almost refusing the doctors and nurses to to get rest. She wants to push herself so hard all the time. She's walking further. She's talking more. Good things are happening for Emily. It's amazing the strength that this girl has and how far she has come in her recovery in just a short period of time. And I have no doubt she's going to continue the progress. So uh, keep it going, Emily. The entire lacrosse world is behind you. And uh, hashtag Goss Strong. Um... You gave away a shirt last night at the World Championships, Evan. You just kind of draped the thing over your back while you were standing on the concourse uh, watching the game, and you put out a tweet saying, whoever comes and finds me first is going to win a T-shirt, and Ryder Bremner was the first man to track you down. Yeah, actually, I, when I put the tweet out, I was over at the field house. This is the thing. <laughs> I, I, the tweet said, I am at the World Lacrosse Championships. Right? And there's two or three people circling around looking for you. The, the arena bowl looking for me. Not two arenas. There's two arenas. There's I'm two over arenas. The, I'm over at the other one. Uh, so I actually had to come back to the arena bowl for people to find me. But keep an eye out. I still got about a half dozen of these things to hand out. So I think just one a day, right? And just bring a shirt with yeah. you a day and just uh, going to carry it around with you. And if you spot Evan inside the Langley Event Center... Walk up to him. We got to say, like, you got to say, like, who you got or something. Yeah. And you get yourself a T-shirt. That's how easy it's going to work. Well, it's interesting how many people look at my name badge like, oh, Evan, I didn't know what you looked like. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of people doing that. A lot yeah. of people doing that. So uh, congrats to Ryder Bremner. We're going to give away another shirt today at some point. So keep an eye out for Evan. Walking around the concourse. Good chance he'll be in the Arena Bowl today with the two games that are happening later tonight. Yeah. So uh, keep an eye out for Evan if you're in town. Win yourself a shirt from Stampede Tack and Western Wear. And keep an eye out, too. I'm doing some daily articles with Lax All-Stars, just kind of daily recaps as to everything going on out, out of Langley. I had I had that in my news and notes, Evan. I was going to get to that. Check out Evan's work on lacrosseallstars.com. He's given daily recaps from the World Championships every day. He's been staying up late, hunkered down in the room there, 
burning the candle at both ends, getting out those daily updates here from the world. Um, speaking of the world, Evan, uh, some of the highlights you want to take away from the first five, six days here? I, I'm a guy that loves the, the Minnow Nations. Um, I mean, everybody, there was a big crowd there for Canada Iroquois last night. Not a surprise, but what I really loved, and especially in that field house, because if it was in the Marina Bowl, this would have got lost, mm. but you have teams like Serbia and Hong Kong, Australia. Austria had a huge crowd last night. These ethnic communities within the city of Vancouver coming to support their team. And in that field house, cause it only seats about 800 tops. It gets like, rocking in there, though. Yeah, it, the sound's just bouncing. And the game between Hong Kong and Serbia was absolutely crazy. And I love the fans on both sides for putting that kind of atmosphere out there. A game of massive runs the serbians these guys are the heart attack kids not only did they go on an 8-1 run to beat the dutch they then went on an 11-2 run to beat hong kong it's almost like they like to get down and then they're like oh yeah we we better start trying now but it's something else to watch this because i mean nick bielich is playing both sides of the floor so he's playing 45 minutes a game Ilya gaichu walking on one leg yeah i mean it's a little stunning that a guy that when he's in those games, he's showing that much talent isn't in the NLL anymore. Yeah, and I don't think that's because he doesn't uh, – he couldn't make the – I just don't think his work commitments will allow him to play in the NLL, I think, is the issue for Ilya Geich right now. But uh, still, he – like he, back in his prime, was, was one of my favorite players to watch play the game and, and probably still is. The man is just an absolute warrior and, and only knows how to play the game one way. So um, – for me, I just think the whole thing as a whole, the way the tournament has gone off so far and the games are only going to get better and all the comments that uh, I've gotten over social media about the job that, that myself and, and others have done on the broadcast has been great. But just the, the whole vibe around the World Championships with all the different nations and, and fans and all the different things you see and hear inside the arenas and, and watch, like it's just it's like nothing else in our sport when you get a tournament like this with 20 nations coming together under one roof and you get a team like Costa Rica that like let's be let's be real here Evan, they they have a hard time passing and catching at sometimes mm-hmm. and then you get a team like team Iroquois or team Canada that is like just unbelievable to watch the speed and the skill of these guys and then you get kind of everything in between and it's just neat to see one spectrum mm-hmm. all the way to the other end of it yeah i mean other than a little thing of they should probably see put these groups together closer to where teams seed to begin with mm. i mean a team like costa rica yeah they've they've gotten killed every game they've pl- been playing but, but they don't care they don't care no they're here to develop all but two players on this team are actually from costa rica yeah they haven't really had that much time in a box to never yeah they've never played inside but the only lacrosse that they know has been out on like a grass field and, right and i gotta get a shout out in here to to my physician and a longtime friend of mine who's helped me in my career for for a long, long time, and that's Dr. Don Hedges, who is essentially responsible for lacrosse even existing in Costa Rica. He'll take a number of players back there every year and put on some clinics for these guys on his own dime and uh, continues to do so to this day. And, and he is, like, I, I can't imagine how much mm-hmm. pride he must have in his in his body watching his team, which yeah. is Costa Rica, play here in his home country, in his backyard, 
at the World Championships. It's just and fantastic. And another team that I really like, admire watching is Hong Kong. Like these guys are undersized compared to everybody else. They're like else. an army, though, but, man. But they're so fast; it's crazy and drilled. Like, yeah. like, like Joe, man. Joe Ty's investment in this team is really paying off. Yeah, Gillespie, Travis Gillespie, Scott Browning doing yeoman's work there with Team Hong Kong. Uh, they've been a nice surprise. Like I mentioned, Netherlands has really kind of come out of nowhere uh, onto the scene. I think Finland has had a great tournament. A uh, number of things have just been fabulous to watch here, and, and the games are only going to get better and bigger as we move along here. Um, we didn't get a chance to recap the draft because we recorded on Tuesday day. The draft took place a week ago, Tuesday night, mm-hmm. uh, and into Wednesday morning, <laughs> I guess, seven. <laughs> it went about five and a half hours on air. Uh, what a grind there for Devin, Teddy, and Stamper, but they got through it. I guess we could throw Tabitha and Jordy in there as well, but... Uh, they got through it. I thought the draft went off uh, really well. It was a great production, and uh, congratulations to everybody that got drafted. Tyson Gibson going number one. Rylan yeah. Reese going number two. Andrew Q going number three. Holden Garland going number four. And then after that, I can't remember because I just wanted to get to the Saskatchewan pick more than anything. Yeah, uh, Tyson Gibson going number one, I think, stunned everybody. Yeah, even, everybody was a little taken back at that. Teddy and Stamper are you know, sh- yeah. shuffling their notes quick. So I was like, what's going on here? But, um, yeah. Yeah, Holden Garland, the pick that the Rush really needed. They needed some transition help. They got a lot of transition help. And the interesting pickup, though, at the end of the day is Dunkerley, mm. and the goaltender, because we don't – like, this is this is still mind-boggling that even as well as Pete Davinsky's playing here, he's still not signed. No. And but I think he's he's got to be a backup somewhere. He's not going to be a third-string goaltender. No, I, I would think he – I think – Dubinsky probably thinks he's got a chance of being a starter somewhere. I think that's in his mindset after the summer he's coming off of. He thinks he can challenge somewhere for a starting job. I don't think that's going to be in Saskatchewan. I think they're set up really nicely now, though, with Evan Kirk, Adam Shute, and Cam Dunkley as their third goaltender. You're right. Um, for me, I thought Rochester was probably the team that did the best in the draft. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think people are really realizing how good the Rochester Nighthawks are going to be in their first year. I could be totally, completely wrong. I don't think so. But just watching what Dan Carey has done in the expansion draft, signing free agents, trades, and now the entry draft, this man knows what he's doing and how to build a lacrosse team. Rochester, Vancouver, head-to-head, who would you take right now? Rochester. Yeah. I would. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess that's all you need to say. Um, So congratulations to everybody that got drafted at last week's NLL entry draft. I thought the production was fabulous. Joe Feld and company did a great job. And uh, it's only going to get bigger and better, man. Like, they just put out the numbers. I think there was, like, a huge, like, a 46% unique viewership increase, 177% viewership had gone up from last year's draft. They just put out a a stat that I saw online um, about, the numbers from the draft and it was a, a smashing success and and i don't doubt it uh after the production that they put on it was great little long little long they gotta get it down to four rounds yeah I think. They, they well maybe i don't know how they do it but they just they need to tighten it up uh georgia taking an extension almost every round didn't help matters we don't want to get it we're not no, we're not we're gonna not do it we're, that, not, we're no. not gonna do it <laughs> uh we want to but we're not going to uh, so there, that was the draft, and I think that's it, man. You got anything else? No, just looking forward to another week of 
lacrosse, and then well, we're going to have one of a five six week break here. And yeah, well, listen, well, not not on the show, but we're going to have no. A we're gonna, we're going to keep the show going, but I I know what you're saying, but like literally training camp. By the time the worlds wrap up, training camp will be four weeks away. Now we won't have the lockout CBA dispute that we had last year to thank God talk to Well, yeah, but on the other hand, we had lots of things to talk about and yep. people to talk to about it. So we'll, uh, we'll have to figure some things out for next week and, and how we want to approach that. But, um, we'll, we'll get through it. I mean, Hey, this is, we've, so we've done 46 of these things, Evan, we'll figure it out. There's so many people to talk to and so many people are so excited to come on the show that we'll have, we'll have a lot of people that, you're going to be interested to hear talking about And literally, training camp is going to be a month away. Like, they're going to kick mm-hmm. open late October, early November, and you get four weeks of camp, a couple exhibition games in there, and boom, we're off and running November the 29th for the NLL season. It's not far off now. No, and now with 13 teams, there's no lack of things to talk about. Absolutely. So that will do it here for episode number 46 of Lacrosse Classified. Thanks to our wonderful sponsors in Pure Vital Labs, Associated Labels and Packaging, and Stampede Tech for their continued support of the podcast in the way that you, the loyal listener that listens to Lacrosse Classified every single Tuesday right here on LAX All-Stars, can keep this podcast going, support our sponsors. So please do that. And thanks for listening to lacrosse classified thanks to jim shear and blaze reardon for coming on the program and now we gotta go for evan schemenauer i've been jake elliott and for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator enjoy the games everybody